Good morning, church. We have three readings this morning. So first one comes from Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new living, uh, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled uh, to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you, you see the day approaching. Second reading, Acts 2, 46. Every day they, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And final reading, Acts 5.42. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Thanks, David. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Are you nearly warm enough? Am I able to say that? We're going we're gonna to keep the heating on today, um, which... Uh, we, we always have this balance of um, being just about warm enough, but it being a bit noisy, or it be not being so noisy, but finding that you're frozen to your seat by the end of the, the service. So I think we're going to go with the former this morning so that we're kind of warm enough. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just try and speak a bit louder and a bit more clearly for you. We are in a new sermon series. We started this last week. Josh uh, spoke to us last week um, and introduced the new series, and we are looking at the ways of Jesus. We're looking at the way, um, what, he, what, what we can learn from the rabbi Jesus. Um, in his time, he would have been known as a rabbi, and he called people to follow him in the manner of rabbis in those times. Come and follow me. Come and learn from me. And we, as a church, very much value the idea of discipleship. We often talk about discipleship, being a learner, of Christ, following in his ways. And so this sermon series is seeking to know his way, to walk in his way, and to share his way. Whereas a church, we are informed, if you like, by the life of Jesus. That is our hearts. We want to be first and foremost informed by who Jesus is, by the things that he did, and the things that he calls us to do. We're informed by the life of Jesus. It's a big part, if you like, of the why, the why behind what we do. There's lots of things that we could have that would be good reasons for doing what we do as a church, but first and foremost, it's about Jesus, and it's about the way that he lived his life and the life that he calls us to now as we follow him. I remember once um, I was a primary school teacher for, for many years, and um, I remember going to a castle once with uh, my class, and the guy there at the, at, the, at the castle talked about some of the traditions that we have in this country, and I was fascinated by it. Um, 
the, the why, if you like, behind what we do, some of the things that we do. So when you shake hands, do you know the, the, the why behind why we shake hands when we meet people? Do you know that? Anyone know that? Mark's nodding. He said, I expect you to know these things, Mark. I just... <laughs> um, well, I was told it was to say that I don't have a sword in my hand. I'm not going to basically kill you. <laughs> Um, so it's saying, look, my hand is empty. It doesn't have a sword in it. I'm a friend. And that's where that comes from. Even something like that gesture of sticking up two fingers at people um, as, 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 as a sign of abuse uh, has a meaning behind it. Do you know the meaning behind that? This was fascinating. Oh, lots of you know this meaning. <laughs> um, go on, John. What do you... What do, Yes. Yes. The English archers, whenever they caught the French, they would cut off the fingers that would enable them to shoot arrows. And so one of the ways... Oh, hang on. I'm being... T I'm Pardon? The Welsh archers. Oh, and I'm sorry. Big faux pas. <laughs> Some archers who were fighting the French... <laughs> they'd cut off the fingers of the, and, and then they would show their fingers to the French saying look we still have the fingers that enable us to be able to fire arrows at you and that's the, that's the background behind that the, the, those, those were fascinating to me and there are always whys behind the things that we do there are often whys that perhaps they're not so important but it is really really important that we as the people of God as the church know the why behind what we do. And the why behind what we do is Jesus. I know that sounds like a really obvious statement, but it's really important that we are always being recalibrated back to Jesus, the way that he lived his life, his ways, and learning from him. And then using that as a way of um, testing, are we still on track as a church? Are we still doing what we're called to do as a church it says in the Bible, doesn't it? John 3.16, he is the way. He said to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, if that's true, it's worth knowing him, isn't it? If he is the way and the truth and the life, it's worth following him and knowing him. To know him, to know his ways, and to then share his ways. That's what we're looking at. And Josh introduces us this idea, this rabbinic uh, saying that was in the time of Jesus which said, may you follow your rabbi, drink in his words, and be covered in his dust. And it's this idea of walking so closely to your rabbi that the dust that the rabbi kicked up as they walked, you would be so close to them that you would end up covered in it. Again, as a teacher, I remember taking children to places like stately homes, and inevitably they have those gravel chalk paths. And children love those gravel chalk paths because they can go along like that and kick up dust. And I, I have a picture of my class surrounded by a cloud of chalk as they're walking along, and me basically telling them off all the time for doing this. Well, it's that image, except a little bit better. It's walking closely to your rabbi, and yes, because you're so close to them, you get covered in the dust of their journey. Closeness, closeness to Jesus. If 
Sesame Street always used to say, Sesame Street is brought to you today by the letter whatever. Well, this, if there's one word that is something that is part of what I'm talking about this morning, that is a key thing of what I'm talking about this morning, it's that word closeness. God is a God who values closeness. It's the way he behaves. It's one of the key things that informs us, the incarnation of Jesus. God is a God who didn't stay distant, but he chose to come close. So that in his closeness, we could see who God is. We could taste, we could, we could, we could feel. We, there's a physical world that God inhabited, and we can see who God is. It's one of the key understandings about God, becoming flesh and blood, visible and touchable. We went to, um, Pip and I went to um, someone's party the other weekend in a pub just over in Kellam Island, and um, it was great. We didn't know many people that well, but we were invited to it, and we went along, and um, really good. And the guy whose birthday it was, um, we were chatting to him, and then someone walked into the room um, who he hadn't seen since he was at nursery school and he didn't know was coming. And it, it was lovely to watch. I mean, his face was just, he was so surprised but so joyful to see this guy for the first time. And I think they'd been in touch. They'd, be, they'd kept in touch, obviously, over the years. But they'd never been in a room together for years and years. And this guy walked into the room and the guy whose birthday it was just ran up to him and hugged him. And uh, for most of the night, he ignored everyone else quite understandably you know, because there was this person he hadn't seen for a while. And even though he probably had rung him up on the phone or maybe sent emails or sent messages, that's no substitute for closeness, for being in the room with someone, for being able to hug them and being next to them. And that's the image of God. He draws close to us so that we can be in the same place as him and so that we can walk with him. It's a key understanding of God that, he has, that we have. And in God's closeness to us, he invites us to come close to him. That's the invite to you and me. I've drawn near to you. Come and be close to me. Come and walk closely with me. Learn from me. Jesus' invite to his disciples to come and follow me was an invite to closeness, to be in his presence and to learn his ways. And as people responded to his invite to come close to him, they found themselves coming close to each other. So there's a flow of drawing close to God. And in that drawing close to God, you find yourself drawing close to people who are choosing to be close to God. I've often said that church is a funny place. It's a, it's a place full of people that wouldn't otherwise be meeting together often. You know, the people you meet as a Christian are often people that otherwise you wouldn't meet, aren't they? That's a great thing about being a follower of Jesus. He is the one around whom we gather. As we gather around him, he draws us together as a group of people. An obvious example of how that works in the world is if you think of people who support sports teams, you suddenly get an identity together, don't you? You become a supporter of this team. As you gather around something, you get an identity as a group. But there's a deeper community when a, a group of people gather around a person like Jesus and a cause that he calls us to. Because he calls us not to just gather around him, but to go with him. And as you go with him, 
there's a deeper community that's found because you end up experiencing things together that are unique to you as a group of people. I've said before that I once went on mission to Mongolia when I was younger and um, that group of people that I went on mission with for that two weeks in Mongolia, we shared things together that no one else will be able to understand in terms of what God did and, and, our, and our crying out to God to meet people and the, the, the times where it was really hard and we were in the middle of the Gobi Desert in a, in a van that broke down and what's going to happen. But in those places, as you turn to God, as you have those experiences, and many of you in this room will have experiences like that where you've done things with people and that's, that sharing of experience, either good or sometimes really hard, draws you together, doesn't it? Alan Hirsch calls it the liminal experience um, that draws us together. And as we, God's people, journey with him, we find that he takes us on an adventure that is sometimes hard, it's sometimes really joyful, but it is always for the good of knowing him and sharing him with others. And it draws us to be his people and to be his church. The invite is come and follow me and learn from me and become a community, become a family. Church happens as people come close to Jesus and journey with him. Church happens as people come close to Jesus and journey with him. And as you grow in closeness to Jesus, you grow in closeness to those who join you on the journey. In fact, our, my experience is that as you do that, you start to seek out people who have that same heart as well. It's a joy for me to be here this morning with people who love Jesus and who want to walk with Jesus. That's what gathering together means. I want to be with people who will encourage me. I want to be with people who will stand next to me and I can hear them singing worship to Jesus because that's what my heart wants to do. And I seek out those times where I'm with people who know Jesus. I remember when we lived in York, we lived in, a, a, in our first house that we'd bought together. And um, some good friends of ours lived in Leeds. And they chose to move to York to be in the same street as us so that they could be near to us. Um, they're good Christian friends. And as they came close to us, our families um, did mission together. We lived together, and we were at either ends of the street, and Pip and, and Hannah, particularly the, 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 the ladies in the family, um, did mission with uh, mums and toddlers, and we saw people come to faith. People chose to move near us so that we could be f church together, basically, on our street, and see, God, see what God did with us. And uh, as you get close to Jesus, you find yourself wanting to do that with people. You're finding yourself wanting to journey with them in this way. We see in the Bible that as the early church grew this value of closeness to Jesus, as they practiced in worship, as they, as they grew, as they were filled by his spirit, it continued to draw them together to be a community, didn't it? And as they sought to stay close to the Spirit, they were then led into new and different places on this journey with Jesus, continuing, if you like, after his ascension in the way of Jesus. Closeness to God shapes us 
we see things differently. Our perspective changes. And as we journey with Jesus, it will take us to places we wouldn't otherwise go to. And it will take us to people that we wouldn't otherwise probably go to. But as we get his heart for his world, we go to those people who are hungry for him and desperate for him. And that is who we are as a church, as we seek to know him and walk in his ways and share his ways. Quick little pause, just an, an, a question to ask all of us. What or who shapes you? What or who shapes me? Is it our closeness to Jesus? Is it your closeness to Jesus that shapes you? There are so many things in this world that are seeking to shape the way you think, the way you see people, not least for many of us social media, not bad in itself, but a big influence. I just want to ask the challenge, what is it that shapes you? Who shapes you? Is Jesus the priority? Is closeness to him and to his people? Is choosing to never giving up meeting together a priority for you, as it said in one of the passages we read? Because he, in his closeness to us, and as we draw close to him, will shape us. And it's a bit like... Um, those of us of a certain age who can remember radios and tuning them in, and you, you, you could hear the station a little bit, but you needed to just tune back to get the full station. Can you remember that? <laughs> Don't need to do that anymore in the age of digital radio. It's just straight there, isn't it? But I remember, you know, turning that knob. I remember the black and white telly where you'd get that ghost picture, and you'd, you'd, go, you'd, you'd be moving the aerial around, wouldn't you, and tuning it in and trying to get it right. It's that image of tuning in, tuning in to who God is. It's... it's, it's Turning the lens on the camera to bring things into focus. That's what drawing close to Jesus does for us. And we see things differently. We have a perspective that is Jesus' perspective and not shaped by other things. So who or what shapes you? Closeness to God tunes us into his way of thinking about and seeing the world. As the disciples became tuned into the ways of Jesus... And as they encountered him in his spirit, they journeyed with him. Remember that scene in the upper room at Pentecost when the spirit fell on the disciples and, that, and then they were compelled out of that upper room onto the streets to share the ways of Jesus with people. As they had that closeness and that intimacy and that encounter with God through his spirit, they were compelled out into the streets to share who God is with people. When persecution came to the church, to the early church, their closeness to Jesus and the closeness they had as a, as a group of, of people, as a church, enabled them to be scattered out from Jerusalem and into the Gentile world. Without this central identity of closeness to Jesus and closeness to each other, they wouldn't have been scattered. They would have been dissipated. But their identity in, in who they were enabled them, enabled God to use persecution to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Closeness to Jesus and his spirit led Peter to change his views on what food was good to eat or not. 
And this in turn led him to a Gentile. If you like, it led him to be close to someone that he would never have been close to before. Someone who he'd been taught to believe was unclean and he shouldn't go anywhere near because it would pollute his own standing with God. But because of his closeness to Jesus and the closeness to the Spirit of God, he was able to journey with Jesus to someone he would never have done before. And Cornelius turned to faith. And his whole household turned to faith. It's the first mention we think of a Gentile coming to faith. Someone who wasn't from the Jewish background. And then the church spreads as people walk in closeness to his spirit. And they're taken to places they wouldn't otherwise have done. And Jesus says to us in John 20 and 21, verse 21, As the Father has sent me, I send you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. To have the courage to be able to go and do this, to be able to go to people and to places, we first need closeness. I'm going to keep saying the word closeness. I want that to stick. We need closeness with him. We need closeness with each other. And that leads us to closeness with those we wouldn't otherwise be close to. That's what it's about. The ways of Jesus. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. We could, as a church here at St. Tom's Philadelphia, we could choose to be defined by so many things. We could be maybe defined by the style of worship we do. We could maybe be defined by the affiliations we have. We're an Anglican Baptist free church. We are, we're an interesting church here at NCS, and I love that about us actually. But we don't define ourselves by that. We could be defined by our history, by what God's done in the past. It's important, but we're not defined by that. We could be defined by the type of teaching we have, the certain teaching that we feel God has given us that is important for the wider church, but we're not defined by that. We are defined, first and foremost, by Jesus. That's our desire. And if we're not, first and foremost, designed by Jesus, then all those other things, however good they may be, can become idols. They can become more important than him. Closeness to Jesus and where that takes us, that's what we want to define who we are. And that's what will form us into the family of God that is called to be St. Thomas, Philadelphia, that is called to be Network Church Sheffield with King Center, a church that will take up its call alongside all the other churches in Sheffield to see Sheffield transformed as we have on our mural over there. And closeness to Jesus works up in us a hunger for God and his kingdom. We become like that woman in Luke 15 who turns her room upside down in order to find the coin which represents the kingdom of God. And we don't mind as a church turning things over if it's the place, if it's where Jesus takes us, if it's where the Spirit takes us. There's nothing more important to us than seeking him and where he wants to take us and his kingdom. And that sometimes for us, and more so for many of you in the room than for me, has meant an interesting journey for this church and where it's taken this church. But it's been as, as we followed Jesus and where he's taken us, that he's taken us into these places. And we've seen the fruit of what he does through us. The hunger and desire for things of God and his kingdom 
will cause us to look at how we do church, turning over things, if you like, like that image of the woman in the room looking for the coin, chucking furniture to the side, got to find this coin. We will be prepared to disrupt things in order to win that prize of following Jesus where he's going. How we do church, so how do we do church so that it encourages, this is the final thing, that was the main thing, but I just want to practically to go, hopefully just highlight how this shows why we do church or why we seek to do church the way we do here at St. Thomas Philadelphia. How do we do church so that it encourages us to know Jesus, to walk in his ways as a family of disciples and to share his ways with those who don't yet know him? This is the question behind how we seek to structure what we do. It's the why, if you, look, if you like, behind what we do. And we often talk about gathered and scattered. You may have heard that before. If you've been here a while, you've certainly heard that before. Being gathered and scattered. This is being gathered. We gather in other, small, in other places as well, in other social spaces, if you like, in smaller groups. And we also talk about being scattered to going into the world going and sharing um, with the world and, and sharing the ways of Jesus with people. I just want to talk about those two things, gathered and scattered, in the light of the stuff we've just been talking about. Our gathering, this, this main gathering, this big gathering, sorry, I shouldn't call it the main gathering because there are other gatherings in this church that are just as important. This is the big gathering. I need to be, cut, stop me from calling this the main gathering, just challenge me if I do that. This is the big gathering. But this big gathering is primarily about encounter with God. It's primarily about closeness to God, that word closeness. It's recognizing that just as for the disciples of Jesus, everything flowed from encounter with him. It has to. Everything must flow from encounter with him. We prioritize in this gathering focusing on Jesus, on who he is, on his character, on his teaching. And we do this through different ways, through sung worship. We do it through preaching. We do it through a valuing of hearing God speak in the service. So we have people who come up and, and, and bring a word that they think God might be saying to us. And we value that in this church because we want to encounter Jesus. And primarily in this gathering space, that is what we're trying to do, to be, to, to be a place of encounter. We've, we do it through praying for people. We have a brilliant prayer ministry team who serve us as a church and who enable people to come and be prayed for and to hear from God and to have God meet with them and bring transformation in their lives. That's what gathering is for us. It isn't primarily the place where we seek to go and reach the lost to share the, the ways of Jesus. It isn't primarily, please take note of that word primarily, people still come to faith in our gathering. People still, uh, people still hear the good news of Jesus who don't know him yet in our gatherings, but it's not primarily the place where we see that happening. If you like, this is our upper room, or oh, we, we, we long for it to be our upper room. This is where we encounter and we're equipped to spill out into the world, into the places we inhabit. The rest of the time we're not here because we've drawn close to him we go, and we're so close to him, we're covered with his dust. We go out and we, have, we carry something into the world. So this is a place of encounter, of equipping and of encouraging. 
in this world, in the gathering. Hebrews 10.25 was read to us, not giving up meeting together, don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So gathering is about encouraging one another as well. Acts 2.46 said, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They met together. They broke bread. We're going to do that later on as a sign of our, cl- of our desire to be close to him, of the fact that he's drawn close to us and that we do this as a body, that we're drawn close to each other in the taking of the bread and in the drinking of the wine. That's what brings us together. I've often said the communion is that level playing field where there is no respect paid for, for hierarchy or anything. We are all on a level playing field. We all kneel before the altar and it's him that defines who we are. It's Jesus. It's not about us at all, but it's him that draws us together. So we encourage each other in our gathering with stories of what we've seen God do. We've already had that today, haven't we? Encouragement of what God does We encourage each other by closeness to each other. That's why we come and sit next to each other and we worship together rather than sit in the room at home and put a worship tape on. Being a follower of Jesus is done together. It's not done on our own. We have simple friendship together. We ask each other how we are and we speak words of life to each other. Some of the best things that happen in the gathering happen during coffee time. When people are friendly to each other and they speak encouragement to each other and they speak, speak words of life to each other and they just have a chance to talk to someone who loves Jesus like they do. That's important. It's really important. Gathering is the place, said Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson from Bethel Church says, gathering is the place that creates kingdom culture. And this is where we seek. It's the greenhouse, he says, where all the conditions are right for encounter with Jesus. And that's what we seek to do in gathering. And then the scattering, as I've already alluded to, it's the spilling out into the places we inhabit when we're not gathering. As we've drawn close to Jesus and to each other, we are propelled to be close to those he is going to because we're walking where he goes. And our closeness to the hungry, to the lost, as we go with Jesus, enables them to be close to him. And this is expressed in so many different ways. Yes, it's expressed in telling the gospel, speaking the words of the gospel, but it's expressed in words of action, in, in action as well. We heard about the hampers. They're words of, they're, they're, those are action of taking Jesus to people. Our restore ministry, our forge ministry that seeks to um, bless people where there is no, no witness of the kingdom that seeks to bless people who've never had opportunity to know what the kingdom of God looks like or what, who Jesus is. That's what that's all about. And as we spill out from here after encounter with Jesus, hopefully our prayer is that we go with and carry something that brings life to people. That's why we seek to equip the church with a way of thinking and with simple ideas that enable us all to go from here, from our encounter with him to those who are hungry to meet him. So we go not as a discipline. We don't go because that's what we do as a church and we've just got used to going when talking about going. We don't do it like that. It's not a discipline. That's religion and it becomes a very religious way of doing things. We don't do it because we think it's a good idea. We do it because 
we know that God is a God who goes. And as we get close to him, we know that we will go with him. We will, he will cause us, he will propel us, he will compel us to go out into the world. And he will lead us to keep going. So we try to structure ourselves as a church to be ready for when he calls us to go, to be ready for when he leads us to new places. It's not will he say go, he will say go. It's always saying it, it's his nature, he is ascending God. So together, gathered and scattered church seems to us to be the way of doing church that enables us to be close to Jesus, to be close to each other, and to be close to those Jesus is calling himself us calling to himself those three things and together the gathered and scattered facilitates that call and that desire the way of Jesus is to draw close everything flows from our response to first draw close to him to encounter him then to draw close to each other and then to go and be close to those who don't yet know him so if the band would like to come up, we're going to worship and then we're going to take communion. I would love in these, in these couple of songs that we're going to sing now, I would love us to reflect on the closeness of Jesus and his invite for you, for me to be close to him, for us as his people to be close to him. Draw close to him. Say yes to walking with him if that feels right to you. It's a dangerous prayer to say yes to him. Yes, take, let me go with you where you're going, Jesus, because we don't always know where that's going to be. But it is a good place to be, to be walking closely with him. So can I encourage you in this worship time to be saying yes to him, to be saying yes to closeness with him. He's here now. He loves to meet with us. He's in this place. He's not just in this place. He'll be out there when we go from this place. There's nothing particularly special about this place, but it is the place where we particularly focus on him and encounter with him. So say yes to him this morning.